Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership Solutions. We're excited again that this beautiful Monday morning, we are resuming with our Women in Leadership series. Today we have with us Sarah Koski. She's the Executive Director of Love for Lane County. But before we get to Sarah, we want to acknowledge and thank our sponsors for today. Molina Law Group is a local immigration law practice located here in Springfield, Oregon. They, will, they are opening their Beaverton office the 1st of June in just a matter of about a month. If you know of any students that are returning to college or want to come from a different country, they're going to need a student visa. Uh, Molina Law Group specializes in, this is one of their areas of specialty, and in their immigration law practice, they can facilitate this need for you, your family, or the student themselves. Molina Law Group can be found on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Their phone number is 541-563-8899, and they are located here in Springfield, Oregon, in the Highland Business Park. So we are excited, 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 excited today to resume with this series. To, I met so many wonderful, gifted, talented, intelligent women in leadership, women servants, women leaders, leading and guiding and changing the world around us and changing the world in which we live. Today, Sarah Koski is one of those women. She's the executive director of Love for Lane County and an innovative digital storyteller with a passion for service and uniting the faith-based community. Her experience spans from her early days in campaign work and lobbying to her current positions as chair of the Lane County Code or Community Organizations Active in Disaster and co-chair of the Spiritual Care Committee for the Lane County LTRG or Long-Term Recovery Group. Upon graduating from the University of Oregon Robert D. Clark Honors College, she received the unique gift of training directly under former U of O President Dave Frohmeyer and Vice President of Advancement Alan Price two of Oregon's great philanthropic leaders and strategists. You, this is just amazing. I'm looking at your bio and it's fluid. And now you have the goal of transforming through digital stories in unique and artful ways. And this past April, you spoke to a group of leaders at the United Nations University of Peace on the subject of innovative marketing and storytelling for fundraising. And you're in our community you're right here with us. You live amongst us. You operate uh, one of the largest ministerial groups that have community-wide impact across the county. And this is the first time I have the great pleasure of meeting you. Sarah, how are you doing today? Oh, absolutely wonderful, Pastor Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. It, you know, I just have to say as a digital storyteller, I want to give credit where credit's due. And the fact that you are amplifying and bringing voices like this to the community. It's just an honor to be on. Well, thank you very much. Um, Love for Lane County has quite the footprint. They have organized churches throughout Lane County to come together, to pull together, to organize, pull resources, to serve the broader community as a whole. How long have you been their executive director and what drew you to the organization? Great question. So Loverland County was originally a, what we call a stopgap ministry. It was a 
chapter of a national office of a love Inc birthed through the vision of Stephen Patty bus and a lot of the collective pastors in town through one hope. So love Inc was originally formulated about seven years ago. We transferred into love for Lane County about a year ago when we realized that the national chapter as they evolved, um, were seeking several thousand dollars per year to be part of this chapter and our board really wanted to keep our resources and our funding in the Lane County community. So they made the decision about a year ago to create um, just a very autonomous organization, Love for Lane County. Uh, we've been Love for Lane County a little bit over a year. I came right after the wildfires in September of 2020. Uh, it seems like time's flying, 2020. Um, so very recent, just had my six month mark here. Uh, my first time actually in full-time ministry. I have been on staff of my local church, uh, but my vision and, and kind of the work that I do is a lot of creative partnerships, digital strategy, hacking the system in ways of telling that digital story. Uh, but I realized that the more work that I was doing, and I was doing a lot of work abroad, a lot of work of odd hours, um, that my heartbeat was with the local community because my church was with the local community. And when this position opened up, it couldn't have been the more perfect fit. I'm so excited. Well, I appreciate that historical data regarding Love, Inc., the expansion of that, its establishment, its expansion, and then the requirement for the thousands of dollars to be associated with them. And just as a, a man of faith, I, I find great discomfort in the amount of the administrative cost to belong to an organization that's supposed to serve. I find a, a great, it's very distasteful to me in regards to commercial Christianity and how it consumes more than it can provide in many cases. And just to be associated with organizations that require thousands of dollars, in my estimation, it's, it's, not, it's unfruitful. And that should be something that we discontinue. The fact that the founder, Stephen Patty Buss, wanted to keep resources local. They wanted to keep it in the community to serve the people in this community to help uh, not just churches, I know it's faith-based, but they branch out to all areas of need, is, is quite exemplary and should be emulated. Now, you've been on there since post-wildfire. What are some of the, what's a part of the strategic plan of Love for Lane County? What drew you to the work? You know, what I really like about Love for Lane County, um, you know, uh, so talking about that stopgap ministry, right? Uh, we are a collaborative effort. Um, so as One Hope deals with a lot of the pastoral care and the prayer and, you know, One Hope, One Day, One Church, all of these different things that they do with prayer, we are more the boots on the ground, right? So we're separate in the sense that we're two separate entities with the same mission of uniting the church through service and prayer. We have a full-time call center where volunteers actually do case management and client care and prayer. And that's what I think that's really important with Love for Lane County is that unlike other organizations in town, our heart is to bring the love of Jesus to the community. Uh, so what a stop gap ministry means is that when other organizations, and we have about 120 partner organizations, Food for Lane County, 
shelter care, Whiteford, um, you know, relief nursery, 15th night, all of these things. When these organizations reach the end of their resources or they're doing all this problem solving and they can't solve a problem, they send their clients to us or their case managers reach out to us. And we're kind of the spiritual fixers or the closers. It's really exciting because there is never a, a day where life is the same here. We have a full warehouse uh, where we furnish apartments and locations. So especially a lot of the unhoused who are working their way to transitioning into their own space, you know, you think about the cost of cleaning supplies, you know, um, detergents, towels for your bathroom, the things that we take for granted, we help supply those different things. We also do a, another ministry with the VA. You think about colonoscopies and colonoscopies require that individuals have somebody waiting for them in the parking lot. Um, and it takes, you know, it's a several hour process. And there's a lot, not a lot of people who have a friend or a family member that can stay in a parking lot. So we have volunteers, literally like an Uber or a Lyft um, that support these veterans. And if we see, so our mission is twofold, serving our community, loving like Jesus. And if we see that there is something that comes to us where we can satisfy those two points in our mission, there's a lot of growth that we're doing, a lot of interest in community trainings, uh, economic development of small businesses, um, amplifying underrepresented voices, doing a lot of work with the Gen Z and the youth in our community uh, to not only get them training, but like you're doing, Pastor Mark, of amplifying young voices, amplifying female uh, leaders in the community. It's, it's an exciting time. Now... <clears throat> This is just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news. First of all, as a veteran, thank you to Loveling, Love for Lane County for support of vet local veterans. I know some believe that the Veterans Administration has the funding and the resources and the capacity to care for veterans, and I can assure you that it's not true and that uh, it is a struggle just to get into the system. And then once you're in the system, just trying to get the funding uh, to get the support and the help that you need. So veterans do need all the outside support that they can get. Now, first things, let me take care of some logistical questions. I want to, who, you have a board of directors? We do. And how many are on your board? We have five board members actively recruiting our six, but we are always looking for a board members specifically in the business community. A lot of our board members are faith leaders. Uh, we have some great representation in real estate, in, in small business, but we're looking to really diversify uh, the viewpoints and vision of our board. So if anybody's interested, reach out to me. I'm asking you these questions because I'm discovering with the amount of nonprofits we have here in Lane County, there are several that are operating that are requesting funds and raising funds. They don't have a board. They don't have an established ratified budget by the board. Uh, they don't have board minutes. There's a lot of things that are being facilitated in a, in a very questionable manner. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but for the sake of the listeners, just they can guarantee that if they want to contribute, I'm, I'm sure you have your 501c3 and you have a budget that is ratified by your board, you do have all of those things in place, board minutes, all of those things? Active, active board minutes. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I think is really important and especially leading by example as a faith leader is integrity, right? The honesty, the truth, but integrity. And we try 
as hard as we can to shine a light and lead by example. So anything that we do, we are first to the gate and making sure that everything, every I is dotted, every T is crossed. So correct. Well, that, that's important because I'm an elected official here in Springfield. I'm, I'm elected to the Springfield Utility Board. Um, I serve on the the Springfield Chamber of Commerce Board. I'm on the HIV Alliance Board. I'm on the board for the Center for Community Counseling with a lot of board experience in the past. And the role of the board is to provide fiduciary oversight to ensure mm -hmm. that all things are being uh, managed and done in a legal fashion, in a legal manner, in, in every component of the operations of the organization itself. So it's important. I want people who hear this to know that if they want to get involved with Love for Lane County, it is properly set up. It is proper oversight. It is has legal oversight. And all those resources are in place that if you want to give and you want to participate, they can trust that it's moving forward with the integrity that you mentioned. And I, and you know, I really appreciate you bring this up because there's a lot of individuals who have these great dreams, right? And these great visions. And, and the first thing that they want to do is create a nonprofit. But I don't think people really understand, Mark, the amount of work that it takes to not only run a nonprofit, but even as a board. I mean, we have here a working board. It's not a fundraising board. It's not sit and have cocktails. I mean, we have board members coming into our office, getting in the trenches, you know, volunteering and, and doing this oversight. And it's such an important component for an organization to run so smoothly. And, you know, I've been part of many boards. I've been part of many nonprofits. And I can honestly say as executive director, this is the first time I've ever been director. You Typically, I do a lot of consulting in either fundraising or marketing. And this is my first time running a ship, right? Uh, but even not only participating on boards or having to present to boards, this is the best board I've ever worked with because of the heart of Jesus, honestly, because they're there because they want to be there. It's not something to, you know, pad their resume. It's not something because, you know, their office is mandating them to do some sort of community service. They're there because they truly love what they're doing and they want to support the community. So it's, it's an absolute dream come true working here. Very good. And thank you for uh, helping to elaborate and expand on that because you know, our community is facing a lot of hardships right now, and it's important that whatever we put our hand to, wherever we set our foot, wherever we contribute time, talent, or treasury, that all of those areas are have legitimate uh, oversight and are operating legally and above the, above the line. I want to bounce around here a little bit as I'm reading your introduction. You have a, you've done a lot with your life, and it is amazing. Before we get to the United Nations University of Peace, because I definitely want to expand on that, give you a chance to expand on that. What is Chair of the Lane County Code or Community Organizations Active in Disaster? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked, uh, Mark. So it's the Lane County Co-Ed. And what's really interesting is... Uh, Prior to working for Law for Lane County, I did about a year and a half stint with the American Red Cross. I was their statewide fundraiser. And here at the Red Cross, a lot of the work uh, that we did, we, we received marketing materials that came from like the DC national office. And we were supposed to just send them out to our, our donors here in the state of Oregon. Well, one thing we know about this great state of Oregon, Mark, is they're very independent and they don't want the photography that's just from the national office. They want to hear about true 
true blue Oregonian stories. And uh, there was a lot of transition, a lot that had happened with, you know, press and publicity and, and some stories that came out about the Red Cross. And so I had to start from scratch in telling the story. And instead of going out and having donor meetings, I began going out and having meetings with volunteers and hearing their story and constructing these beautiful like testimonials with my own images from, uh, you know, just my iPhone and created my own marketing and fundraising campaign. Uh, and in doing so, I started going on some trips, you know, to help after house fires. Um, I helped see what the Red Cross shelters were like. And I fell in love with supporting a community in times of disaster. So not only was I a staff member for the American Red Cross, I became a national disaster responder for the Red Cross and learned almost every field you can imagine, how to set up shelters, how to do mass care, how to do food distribution, how to fundraise in times of disaster. And as I moved on to other organizations, uh, there was a piece of me that was really sad that I no longer had this part of, you know, like presenting how to um, prepare in times of disaster, what it means to have a go bag, all these different things. When I came to Love for Lane County, I realized that Love for Lane County was already part of the Lane Co-Ad. And what a Co-Ad is, is it's a community organization active in disaster. Just like we are the collective organization that brings churches together for service, a Co-Ad is the collective organization that brings churches, businesses, nonprofits together in times of disaster. And if you think of those movies where there's that war room and, and the army and the Navy and everybody, they're looking together on a map, right? In disasters, there's that same type of war room, uh, you know, uh, probably not the right term, but it's the same analogy where you have FEMA, the Office of Emergency Management, your city planners. I mean, you know, with EWEB, right, or with the Springfield Utility Board, uh, the COAD allows the community to have a seat at the table with all the big decision makers. And it also opens up doors with the big decision makers to local small mom and pop shops with nonprofits to be the frontline soldiers when it comes to disaster preparedness or, you know, sheltering or all of that. And to be part of the COAD is such a blessing. Love for Lane County is part, uh, One Hope is part. Ironically, in the state of Oregon, not very many churches churches are part of the co-ed and that's one of my biggest goals here is to recruit more churches because if you think about in the south or texas you know you have the southern baptist disaster relief the lutheran disaster relief all these different churches that go out but you know our eyes were really opened i think with this last wildfire because it was the first statewide emergency it wasn't concentrate concentrated to one county or another but you know you look up and down the i-5 corridor every county was affected. And so this is the first year that all co-ads have started working together. We've had state meetings, local meetings, county meetings, and we're trying to get as many people to the table, as much representation as we can from all sorts of nonprofits, businesses, and churches. So God forbid, if there's something else that comes, uh, we're ready and we're prepared. You know, I'm going to make a couple of statements about the last um, the holiday farm fire because I was on the ground at the relief centers, the relief sites. And there was a lot of, based on my experience being there, there was a lot of miscommunication by the organizations on the ground. There was a lot of misunderstandings of who, whose responsibility was what, and what, what was the area, whose role was it, who was in charge, 
organizations say, no, we don't want anything to do with what you're doing. That's not our role here. We're just here to help people find a place to, uh, to find a place to sleep, maybe give some food vouchers. And there was a lot of confusion. Uh, there was a lot of people looking for direction. There was a lot of, uh, ultimately there became a lot of infighting because uh, who was going to be in charge, not necessarily for power, but wh what was the flow of information? Who was leading? What was the model? What, was, uh, the, what were the contingency plans? When I was in Germany in the U.S. Army, one of my roles was, was called NEO-NCO, N-E-O, and that stood for Non-Combatant Evacuation Operation. Wow. And so my job was to work with my unit and work with German authorities, Air Force authorities. We had all the family care plans put together, wills, power of attorneys, evacuation plans. We would hold these events, staging events where I would pull the Neo packet, I'd go around to all the evacuation sites and pick up all the military members' wives, their children, take them to the whole evacuation process. It was quite elaborate, but COAD fits that kind of required preparation. I'm, I'm seeing and listening to what you're saying and thinking of the Holiday Farm Fire. And so I'm hopeful as a community member that the lessons that were learned in the holiday farm fire are being coalesced amongst something like COAD and community leaders across the board, whether it's the cities or the counties or whatever organizations those are, they're able to look back and say, this is what we did well, this is where we completely dropped the ball at, and this is where we discovered we've got some problems we have to be prepared to confront. Yeah. Are you... Are you asserting and affirming that COAD is in that position? You know, man, I think, I think that there's a lot of different factors to look at here. Uh, because one thing is the state of Oregon has been blessed. We've had wildfires, but we haven't had a statewide disaster or emergency. And, you know, there's been some tremors of earthquakes, but even when you think about Cascadia, I mean, I, these fires were devastating, right? You know, even with the holiday farm fire, I praise God every day that, you know, we had a lot of building losses, a lot of property loss, you know, a lot of personal loss, but, you know, um, everybody but one made it out, right? And, and what a God blessing that is. Uh, what we came to realize as a state, and I can't speak for the state, but what I can speak for is my time in all of these meetings is we really realized, wow, you know, we need to be prepared. If you think about Texas, for example, right, and the floods that happened in Texas, these floods happen all the time. And so their organizations are locked tight. Everybody knows what to do. Everybody knows where to go. There's long-term recovery processes already in place uh, because they expect this year after year after year. And Oregon has been so protected in the sense we don't have tsunamis, we don't have tornadoes, we don't have you know massive disruptions. That when the statewide fire happened, we were like, wow, all right, we need to get our ducks in a row. And, um, you know, for example, once a uh, disaster happens, that LTRG, the long-term recovery group, gets in full effect. This is the first time we as Lane County have had to have a long-term recovery group. And so even identifying, 
you know, who should be at the table? Do we incorporate as a board or do we just remain, you know, like a loose collective unit? And we, and, you know, under the leadership of a lot of people like Jared Pruch of United Way, um, Marilyn Cross, formerly of the McKinsey CDC, they decided to incorporate and have a full board of directors and they're getting all of their work done thanks to Jim White and the Nonprofit Association of Oregon. Uh, so that, you know, if, if God forbid something were to happen again, we're ready to go. And with the long-term recovery group, you know, you think about it and you think about, you know, the emotional toll that happens. A lot of people don't start grieving until a year after the event happens. So we're starting to get in this process of health care needs, emotional care needs, spiritual care needs. You know, you see, um, you know, I've been on some calls with business leaders in the community and they're like, oh, well, the fire happened, you know, wow, we're just starting the recovery phase. Uh, and so a long-term recovery group is there in the community for up to like two, three years, helping rebuild and recover. And so the growth and the development that we as collective nonprofits, um, you know, understanding the needs of the community, this is all first time stuff for us. But you know what? The best thing that I love about Lane County and the reason why I've stayed here all these years, number one, my church is here, right? And I stick where my strength is. But number two, we are people who come together and band together and make things work. And that's why I'm so in love with the Willamette Valley, this great state of Oregon and who we are as a people here. And so to answer your question, I think that there was a lot of just question marks everywhere because this is the first time for everything and as a first time there's a lot to learn and a lot to grow from yeah i appreciate that i remember the city of springfield really turned out at thurston high school and that silky field when the calls went out people showed up food water i mean just the outpouring was a great indicator and a reminder of where the heart of the people that are at together because even there were so many opposing sides that were coming to help. There were so many groups of people that had serious conflict one with another on social issues that were coming to these relief sites to give, to serve, uh, for them, you know, laying down their differences. For the most part, we had a couple of incidents, so that's human nature. But for the most part, everyone laid down their differences to work together for the good of those that were that had survived the Holiday Farm fire. I'm really appreciating this conversation. This whole series, Women in Leadership, are, are about women like you. Women leaders like you. Women that are out there in ways that we could never understand or imagine until we hear their stories and hear the level and the lines of work that they're participating in. Now, long-term recovery group, who is who are some of the organizations and or people that are involved in that? We have, uh, so, the long-term recovery group, it's not government run, right? It's based on the community, uh, but we have some wonderful, wonderful players, especially when it comes to case management. Laurel Rook from uh, case management, Matt McCray from the county, uh, Lucy Zamarelli uh, working a lot with emotional care, uh, McKenzie Community Development Corporation. Uh, man, I wish I had my list handy. Um, Love First is doing a lot of the unmet needs. Love for Lane County is the spiritual care side. We have St. Vincent de Paul. White Bird is doing a lot. Um, I think people really just 
saw the need of rallying the troops, reevaluating our missions and focusing on a hurting community. Right. And, um, and that's what we, uh, I think as a collective body from the Metro area here in Eugene Springfield, all up and down, uh, what's interesting about the McKenzie is when you look at a lot of the towns, they don't have their own governing bodies, right? They don't have their own mayor or city council, like something like a paradise farm fire did, you know, the paradise had, you know, their own, uh, permits and rules. Well, Lane County has had to just start understanding how to do more permits up and down the McKenzie. I mean, um, shout out to Patience Winningham, who is our emergency manager for Lane County. That woman, um, talk about a woman leader, is probably the strongest woman in emergency management that I've met outside of my work in Red Cross. And uh just the ability for us you know our county commissioners shout out to them um to understand how quickly we had to evolve with our permits our licenses you know um building codes and everything having to be restructured based on a lot of like archaic language and the things that we've had to do so quickly um during this time it's been a miracle. It's been nothing short of a miracle, the accomplishments and achievements that have been going on. Well, I appreciate one of the things that you said, it's not all government and it can't be all government. The resources aren't there. The funding is not available. They have their own internal infrastructures at the municipal level, county, state. So it does require the marketplace. It does require faith-based community, it does require a collective response mechanism. And it's, it's interesting, even Left First has already received a million dollars worth of funding to help, to serve, to employ. Uh, it's overwhelming to consider what we're truly capable of if we just put the goodwill of others in at the first place, at the head of the table, and not necessarily concern who else is. We need good players at the table. We need people of influence. We need we need access to revenue. That's that's the way of the world. That's the way it's got to be. But when we keep first things first, taking care of the people, it's amazing how all those other things become secondary, and we can all put our hand to the plow to serve uh, one another. Um, let's talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your development. Graduating from the University of Oregon, Robert D. Clark Honors College, you received the unique gift of training directly under former U of O president, Dave Frohmeyer. For those of you that are listening to this, not from this area, U of O is the University of Oregon. And Vice President of Advancement, Alan Price, two of Oregon's greatest philanthropic leaders and strategists. What, how did you get selected for that? What did you learn? I really want to talk, I want you to talk about this. You know, the world has a saying where you're at the right place at the right time, right? And I used to think like that because I didn't have my own faith encounter until right after college, you know? Um, you know, I I really had no idea. Uh, for me, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I believe in Christ. I did not believe that there was a higher power guiding me through this process, right? Uh, but at the time that I was going to the university, uh, I was blessed with something called a, a Pioneer Presidential Scholarship, which means that the Pioneer Gala 
uh, that the University of Oregon would run created the gala and the revenue from the gala allowed me to go to the University of Oregon without any debt. I had a full ride scholarship for academics. So instead of playing sports, you know, I was really into volleyball, but I made a deal with my mother that the only way that I could do volleyball is if I kept up on my volunteerism and academics, which it worked out. I had a, a career crippling injury in high school, but look, I still was able to get a fantastic scholarship, nothing but the grace of God. Um, but as a presidential scholar, we regularly had dinners um, up at the, the president's house um, and where he could meet students, as well as the fact that, um, you know, a lot of fundraisers and development officers would choose a couple students to take these students on trips to donors um, so that we could talk directly with donors and donors could hear from a student's perspective what it meant to be invested in with the scholarship. And I didn't realize at the time that that was the track that I was going to go down. I wanted to work full time in politics. I was either interested in being a lobbyist or working, you know, in Geneva at the United Nations or these different things. Uh, but straight out of college, um, I was hired as the uh, director of development for the Robert D. Clark Honors College in really a unique setting. Um, you know, typically a director of development at a major ins higher institution has a master's degree, at least 20 years of experience. And here I'm straight out of my bachelor's with no fundraising experience. Um, but again, right place, right time. But we know that it was, um, you know, divinely placed. Because I was so young, um, you know, no experience in fundraising. And, uh, and I was a presidential scholar, I was the type of person who I would just show up and ask, how could I serve, right. And so when I was a student at the University of Oregon, I used to go to President Frohmeyer's office uh, to his, uh, his administrative assistant and his general counsel and just be like, put me to work, give me something to do, just let me be in your office and learn. And so it ended up being two uh, terms of um, internships directly in the office of the president while I was a student. Um, but President Dave, he saw that I had a desire to learn, you know, um, and he taught me almost everything he knew about fundraising as well as Alan, who um, went to work for OHSU quite a bit with the hospital and do fundraising there. Um, but they, you can take a webinar, you can take a class, you can get your master's, but these, men taught me the heart of fundraising and what it meant to not just be so cold and seeing that it was all about the money, but that it was the mission and what it meant to be a donor and how important it was to give. And, you know, now we understand even the Bible talks about the laws of sowing and reaping and what it means to, you know, have charity and even, you know, charity, a definition is love, right? Like you are loving on an institution by opening up your pocketbook or silver and gold, have I not? Um, you, op you donate to a university by your skills, talents, or trade. And so they said, you know, it's not always about the dollar, Sarah. It's about what a donor can give you. You know, some of the biggest donors that we found were donors that were just the, they're doing mentorships to students. You know, they really just wanted to meet with the students. And the more we brought them to campus to work with students, you know, they ended up doing like a long-term legacy gift and we didn't even experience that. But focusing more on relationships rather than the funding side was such a gift and a benefit for me to learn early on in my stages of fundraising. You know, I think it's important with with the concept of fundraising, as you brought up the biblical 
verse of silver and gold have I none to put that into context with Peter and John walking to the temple and someone's begging. And Peter said, you know, in layman's terms, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have for you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And sometimes the most important thing we can do for one another is helping them get up and walk. Being there in the moment, spending time with them in the moment, being willing to extend ourselves to them in the moment to teach them you can rise again, you can get up again, you can move forward again, and there is hope. And fundraising, I just wanted to expound on this for just a second because I agree with you, we underestimate the power of our talent, the power of our trade, and the power of our time. And for too many times we restrict talent or donorship to dollars and cents. And that is an incredible error. And so thank you for bringing that up because if we keep that in mind as we look to fundraise or or organizations need fundraising and we're here at fundraising, there are other things we can do if we don't have the dollars. There are other ways for us to give, to make an impact, and to make a difference. So thank you for bringing that up. So you learn from them that it's the mission. It's not just about the money. You have to have the heart. Why are we doing this? Why is this important? And that apparently is still bearing fruit in who you are as a person. Now, I want to hear from you, for the viewers to hear from you, the United Nations University of Peace, you spoke to them on the subject of innovative marketing and storytelling for fundraising. Number one, how was that facilitated? Number two, why were you selected? And I want to hear a little bit more about the subject matter that you spoke on. I love Eugene for this reason. We have gifted and brilliant minds in this town. You know, um, I could go to a town like LA or New York City and just be lost in the shuffle, right? Um, here in Eugene, we have just the most amazing opportunities. And I think a lot of people are so programmed to have to go to a tier one city for them to think that their skills are going to be the most utilized, right? Like a DC or, or an LA or a Miami, right? Um, I was one of the very few of my graduating classes to stay in Eugene. The reason being my church was here. You know, I had found a church home. I finally found some people who love me just for me and not for what I could do, you know, not for the high achieving or, you know, the volunteering or anything. They just really loved the real me, good, bad, and different. They were there for me. And I realized that I needed that more than I needed the glory of a job, right? You know, like you talk about accomplishment versus, you know, enrichment. I could be working in DC for this really high paying job, but lose my laugh, right? And my laugh to me is greater currency than, you know, having a, a press pass to the White House. And so staying here in Eugene 
was tough in the sense that I felt like maybe I was missing out or maybe I wasn't doing the right thing. You know, like maybe I should have moved to Geneva or London or, you know, gone on these glorious international trips. Uh, But what I realized was for my faith and just staying here and for sticking with, um, you know, honestly with God and not going out and just determining that I was going to make a name for myself, but trusting in my skill sets. God has opened up a lot of doors here in Eugene. Um, one of those doors being a close friend of mine, Shelly Galvin. Shelly uh, is works for CBT Nuggets. She is, I don't know her official title, but she is just nonprofit extraordinaire. Talk about a woman in leadership. Shelly is, we as an organization are a fixer. Shelly by nature is a fixer. And so CBT realized that instead of giving dollars out to all these organizations, they would have Shelly as an executive on loan basis. And a lot of the main organizations that you see in this town is a Shelly Galvin handprint. So Shelly works on systems, processes, creative ventures, and also is a professor at the University of Peace. I met Shelly through my relationship with working with Volunteers in Medicine here in Lane County, but it was just a cold LinkedIn message that I wrote to her. I saw her title. I saw she was a brilliant woman. And I said, hey, Shelly, I just want to meet you. Um, You know, there's nothing I want to ask you. I'm not looking for donations to, to Volunteers in Medicine. I just want really want to get to know what a bright, intelligent woman is here in Lake County. And, you know, she set time aside for me. Now we've become close friends. And the thing that I like about Shelly is Shelly is a groundbreaker and she goes far. Um, you know, she teaches at, you know, UP, she does all these different things, but every opportunity that she has to bring her friends up with her, she will do that. And so her class at the United Nations, um, you know, you peace in Costa Rica, she brought me on uh, because they're all over the world. Um, I think it was six different countries represented that day that I presented to. Uh, And it's really these great minds of different uh, countries, most of them representing either humanitarian NGOs or nonprofits looking to refine their systems and build their community in a better way. My unique gifting has always been to bridge the divide between organizations and nonprofits and creative culture. So bringing in, you know, street artists or um, unique, um, you know, uh, writers or or different artists or creatives. And to tell a brand's mission in a way that appeals to populations that maybe a nonprofit would not reach had it not been for a creative, unique way. Uh, And because I've worked with a lot of organizations that don't have a marketing budget, Mark, my goal is to create the most beautiful content, content and excellence in the lowest price point that we can, mainly crowdsourced volunteer or investing in the mission. Um, You know, I just did a a video for Pastor Mission Tubby of St. Mark's CME, 100% crowdsourced, drone work, videography, all of that, zero dollar budget, but nothing but that heart. And so we talked about that in in this, um, this session on, 
you know, you don't have to go to a marketing firm. Marketing firms are great and they do what they're supposed to do and they get the job done. But if you have friends who, who are invested in your mission, sometimes the stories are more passionate or heart-centered or heart-driven because you're able to create something, not because you're on the clock or trying to get a deadline done, but you really invest in the mission. So that's what the training was about is finding the people who are so supportive of what you're doing. Uh, here at Lane County, we have something called creatives and residents, right? So somebody may not want to volunteer in our call center. They may not want to do the furniture delivery, but they might know they might know how to do TikTok really well. And especially young people right now, if they're creatives, uh, organizations and, and creative agencies expect them to have portfolios. And a lot of people don't have portfolios with nonprofits in them because nonprofits are either going to marketing firms or they have their own in-house marketing. So one of our, our new GAP ministries is allowing creatives to work with us to, to build their portfolios, literally create some sort of unique branding, even if it's just one talk TikTok video, but then they get to learn how to work with a nonprofit. Um, we bring them to the office, give them a tour, give them, you know, this idea of who we are. And then it builds out their own structure for, uh, for getting hired. So kind of these principles was what we were talking about. Well, I appreciate the story that you mentioned regarding Shelly, uh, Shelly Galvin of how you reached out to her and said, I don't want anything from you. I just want to talk and <clears throat> kind of learn from you. I wanted to share with you what's unique as I've been reaching out to women in leadership regarding this series. It's a year long series. Inevitably, I, one of the first things I end up saying is, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to have a conversation with you about your work. And it really has caught many women off guard, women in leadership off guard. And some of them have gladly and willingly participated. Some said they would, then they don't because they, they're kind of nervous and they're not used to being asked, you know, these kinds of questions or being necessarily afforded these kind of opportunities to be highlighted. So it's been interesting to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I learned of you and Kathy Buss. Kathy. Kathy, you sent me a card. You sent me this card right here with your card and this magnet. After I was named Emerging Leader or Selected Emerging Leader for the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce 2020, I want to take a second here for those that are listening. This card reads, hello, Mr. Molina, on behalf of Love for Lane County, we want to congratulate you for being named the newest emerging leader earlier this month by the Springfield Chamber. What a commendable honor. We appreciate all you are doing to train up and build reputable and responsible leaders to serve in our community. Thank you. All the best to you, Kathy Buss and Sarah Koski. What is the value, the significance, and the importance? Why did you do that? Why did you... What, what, what was on your heart that you wanted to offer and extend such a heartfelt expression to someone like me you don't even know? And now look at the relationship that's been formed. You know, I think that we are in a culture now 
that just programs us to work and work and work and work. And, you know, in theory, we have a supportive family unit. In theory, we have, you know, our own faiths or our own um, family or friends. I think we've been so programmed and busy as people in this current culture that just taking the time to give a compliment or to recognize somebody or to encourage is a lost art. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a lot to be recognized by, you know, the chamber as an emerging leader or something like that, Mark. Like it, it shows that you're in the community, you know, your work with HIV Alliance is so commendable. And if you look at the word encourage, right? Encourage, to impart courage, right? And so before I became a fundraiser, I was studying game theory. And and I'm sure, as you know, um, in, in your time in service, how important, you know, strategy and game theory is, right? And, you know, if we look at game theory, and a lot of people play the short game, where it's competition, you know, one up, you know, oh, I got this, or oh, I got this. But when you look at strategy, the long game is collaboration, support one another, build each other up, because then you create these really strong, if you even think about it with the root systems of trees, right? Like you're not planting on on shallow soil, you're really having to dig deep and get those roots nestled deep within the ground. But the deeper the roots are, the stronger the tree is going to be in the long end. And here at Love for Lane County, I mean, that is our mission and our goal is to love on Lane County. And so our hope is by these little tokens of appreciation, you know, just the time it takes to write a card and say, man, thank you. We appreciate you. It's our goal to just really encourage and inspire other people because, I mean, you think about it and the amount of work that you do, Mark, behind the scenes, you know, yes, you got the recognition with the chamber and hallelujah, right? But the amount of things that you've done that's unseen, I bet is extraordinary. And I know, you know, from a lot of people around here that there's people that just, you know, get it done and they're not looking for credit and they're not looking for the headlines, but they just genuinely do it because it's in their heart or they believe it's their calling or they just see a need and they feel it, right? And so a little token of appreciation here or there, in my opinion, goes a long way. You know, I wanted to mention, thank you for that, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to mention, I wanted to respond to, you mentioned the thunderstorms in Texas. You know, when I was 10, my mother was 40, my father had died three years earlier, she was 37, and she was raising seven kids by herself, and she she and my aunt together drowned uh, in one of those flash floodings. Oh, and one of the things that I I struggle with about the faith community at times. Both of my parents voraciously served the church that we grew up in. And upon their death, neither one of those churches was there for, in those, either one of those deaths, the church was not there for us at all. And then uh, I never forgot that. I never forgot how my parents spent so much time and finances and devotion. And then upon what is the most critical moment in a family the death of your father and then your mother my god and the church wasn't there and 
when one of my sisters passed away of cancer, I, I asked when we got to, got to her home in Carson City, Nevada, I asked my brother-in-law at that time, I said, Have, has her pastor or anyone from the church been here to pray with her, to anoint her with oil, <clears throat> excuse me, to pray the prayer of faith? And he said, no one. I said, has anyone called? No one. Has any, so no one's come by. And I, he said, no one. I said, please give me the name of that church and that pastor's name. And I called that church and I was mad. And I said to the lady on the phone, I identified who I was, why I was there. I said, my, my sister is on her deathbed with cancer. And not one of your pastors, not one of your elders, no one from your church has been here to visit her, to visit my brother their, and their son, to pray with them, to spend time with them. What kind of church are you? I want to talk to the pastor right now. You know, I was really upset. And I went on to say, and I bet you continue to receive her tithe check anyway, even though she's on her deathbed. And yeah, my sister was tithing all the way to the end. And they were gladly taking that tithe check. And I'm saying this because I want everyone in the faith community to hear this and to understand pastors and clergy and brothers and sisters in the faith. You have a responsibility. And to, to know that someone in your community is dying out there and you can't take the time, you won't take the time, that pastor would not get on the phone with me because he said I was mad. And I said to him, to the secretary, I said, I'll be here for this many more days. I, I want somebody to call me. I want an elder of the church to call me, someone to come see my sister before she dies. And finally, a few of the women showed up and watched a movie with her. The pastors never came. Elders never came. I've shared that story with other pastors and other clergy, and they make excuses for, well, you know, at least someone showed up, right? So it means someone cared. And it's it's absolutely 100% absurd. I've heard multiple stories in this pandemic of churches that did a good job of staying in com communication with uh, their church members, but other churches who didn't really respond at all. And so I'm saying that to say to you, Love for Lane County, these other organizations, we have a chance to really shine the light and the love of this God that we say we know and we serve, that we believe in. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to do it. Yeah. Holiday farm fire, this pandemic, this economic crisis that's upon us, we have a chance to change and impart legitimate, spiritual, emotional, phys physical, fiscal resources to impact the world around us. And I hope we're doing it. And I bring up all these stories because it affects when people say that they're looking to the faith community. I'm not talking about people who, who go around looking for people to take advantage of. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about legitimate involvement, legitimate concern, legitimate impartation. I can see that that's your heart. I can see that that's your work. I can see that you want to, that's what you want to be and do. And I'm hopeful and prayerful that across the board, that as a faith community, that's all of our goal and all, yes. of, our, all of our objective. I'm, I just, I needed to say that, I'm sorry. Do you mind if I reply? Please. I'd love to be able to. So 
I appreciate you. And I appreciate that you are taking the initiative and I appreciate the heart that you have for the people and the heart for the souls, right? I don't care if you are going into the NBA and you know, you're going to tie the million dollars. Okay. Right. What I care about is the person, you know, even the Bible says that it was the woman with the two mites that got God's attention. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think that the church personally needs to focus on is we are in a humanitarian crisis here in Lane County. We don't want to use those words. We want to say, oh, we have the unhoused, right? We have this. We have more homeless per capita than any other location in the United States. You can go to Skid Row, right, in LA and see this, right? People don't understand. They think that, you know, there's just these concentrated pockets in big cities, and then they don't understand what's happening here in Eugene. I mean, if the Simpsons are making an episode about Eugene, I mean, there's something going on, right? And where's the church? This is the conversations we need to have. There are people out there, they're doing great things. You know, there's individuals out there doing great things. The Bible commissions us as believers to feed the hungry, to visit those in prison, to to provide for the needs of, you know, what was it? The orphans and the widows. Why? Because the orphans and widows didn't have anybody in their greatest time of need. And, and unfortunately, you know, those stories that you said, there is a comfortability and a lulling to sleep, in my opinion, of the faith-based community. And I'm not saying here, I'm not saying in Eugene, but I'm saying in general, where you talk about skinny jeans, smoke machines, and big screens, right? There's a lot of people who come to church to be entertained, but not to hear the pure message of the gospel. And the pure message of the gospel is we have to be uncomfortable. We are here to heal the brokenhearted through our love of Jesus. And love does not need an appointment to show up. Love shows up. Love does not have to schedule. If you're hurting, I'm going to be there, right? Like that's the kind of mission and the heart that we should have. You know, I have an intern, Mark, his name's Daniel Gerlock. And this man, be on the watch for this man. Um, He's been writing medium pieces for us and doing a lot of writing. And one of the articles that he just wrote was about a time right after Jesus's death, where there was a Roman emperor and there was a plague, right? And I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at right now is a a worldwide widespread, you know, health issue. And this Roman uh, emperor was like, man, in this time, you know, the, the stick were thrown out into the middle of the street, right? So we're talking like waste disposal issues, safety concerns, all these different things. And his priests and his government officials ran to the hills to places of safety so that they wouldn't get, you know, contaminated, right? But it was these empowered, equipped, excited, new young believers of Christ that didn't care. And they were going out into the street to pray for these individuals, to lay hands on these individuals, to give them food and water when they were out in the street. And that's the same type of heart that we have to get back to. And in my opinion, we, 
it's the same constructs. We need to have a revival in our own personal walk before we can have a collective revival. We all need to wake up and just really understand. It's not saying that everybody's called to go to a, a shelter and hand out meals, right? If it means that you're just praying behind the scenes for solution for this country or for this community, that's what we need to do. But in my opinion, we have done this world a great injustice by saying that we are believers, but not showing up. And, and so that's what we at Love for Lane County are trying to do in every way, shape and form is to is to not only show up, but be there behind the scenes. We're not here to get the glory. We're here for the souls. We're here to pray for individuals. We have four new prayer teams. We're working with the long-term recovery groups to put prayer boxes up and down the McKenzie River. I just had a meeting this morning at 6 a.m. to do in-person drive-through prayer tents and prayer tents up and down the McKenzie. Our goal is to reach the brokenhearted or those who need help in their greatest time of need. Our funding and everything will come because of that. You know, the the work that we're doing will get funded and our operation, our lights are always going to stay on because I honestly believe that this is our ministry. And what does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and everything will be added to us. And that's the word we're standing on. And so I really appreciate, it's almost if I'm hearing you right, it's like you're trying to sound the alarm and say, hey, guys, wake up. It's about time that we as a collective body, and I think that, you know, during this wildfire, we saw a lot with the churches. I I know somebody personally uh, who works in the nonprofit sector who's anarchist, does not want to have anything to do with believers. And honestly, before I had my Jesus encounter, I was the exact same way, right? But she said, you know what, in all of this confusion, you know, that we talked about with, you know, where to set things up, where to do, she said, the churches showed up this time. It was the churches that brought order. It was the churches that acted like the triage hospital. And she said, you know what? I might not think that your God is real, but I can see where you guys are coming from now. And I, for the, she said, for the first time, I respect the churches and, and what a testimony, right? That's the testimony to everybody who showed up but we can't get tired of showing up. It's just not a one and done. We have to wake up every day asking and seeking God of God. Who do you want me to reach today? Who do you want me to encourage today? What do I need to do today? Who do I need to visit today? You know, who do I need to pray for? And once we get that heartbeat, I think we're going to see a lot of this humanitarian crisis start to solve its own self because of the power of prayer. The examples I shared earlier I'm not trying to, to imply that churches aren't showing up. I know there are a lot of churches out there doing a lot of good work. But, I, but I'm but i talking about, you know, you talk about this long-term recovery group. We have to have a, a long game strategy as a faith-based community because it's, it's easy. Now that I've been through the grief cycle so much, I mean, I've lost a child. I've... I've, I, I've done a lot of funerals. I've worked with a lot of people grieving. And I've said to them, you know, the first couple of weeks is usually the best. People will remember you. After that, they, they will forget. They will move on. You have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared to settle into this process. So part of your responsibility is to reach out because people won't always remember. 
but I would like to think that we would develop a better memory to remember and mechanisms to remember. Uh, I want to talk to you about, you mentioned a call center earlier. Talk to us about that. What is that? At Loverland County, we have a call center. Uh, we right now are operating on uh, limited hours just because of, you know, COVID and our regulations and everybody is socially distanced in our office. But we are, you know, um, we we do client care and client case management of going through the process of whatever a client needs, whether it's rides or, or furnishing of homes. A lot of our ministries have kind of hibernated just because of COVID and, and safety. You know, we've done, you know, packing of houses, you know, uh, food distribution, all sorts of things. Right now we just have, you know, a certain kind of niche that we're working on. Um, our biggest goal with our call center is prayer. And um, we have made it a mission now um, where if something were to come when um, things happened at the National Mall at the Capitol, uh, we opened up our call center for prayer. Uh, there was a lot of people who were really concerned about the nation and, and just the status of things. And we said, hey, if you want prayer, even encouragement or a dad joke, we're here for you. The National Day of Prayer is coming up this month. Um, very soon, we are going to extend our hours at our call center um, for prayer if anybody wants to have it. And I don't have the number memorized, but I think I can find it here. Our call center um, is open Tuesday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. The number is 541 653 8537. You want to say that again? Sure. 541 653 8537. And that's the call center for Love for Lane County. They're open Tuesday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., 541 653 8537. All right, go ahead. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think that. I think that we are looking for volunteers. We're looking for financial support. We are looking for those who are interested in, in praying with us, praying for us. Um, if anybody has a need, we will do our very darndest to meet that need. Um, we're, we not only uh, meet needs through Loverland County, but because of all of our partnerships with all the you know 100 plus agencies that we work with, we work as a triage center too where if we can't get something accomplished, we know exactly who to refer them to um, and and really just loving on people. Sometimes we have people that call that just need a friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, you know, operations to call and to text people, especially when it comes to mental health, emotional health. Um, but spiritual health, I think, is really important. And during this time, right, you know, there's a lot of questions people are raising and asking. Of, and, you know, if you look at it, the number one Googleable term right now or search is how do I pray? People don't know. Uh, we had a, a client who had called in um, that we delivered some furniture to, and one of our staff members actually prayed with the mother, but the mother had the phone on speakerphone, right? And her very young daughter didn't even know what prayer was or the construct of prayer, but all she knew was very sweet words. She kept repeating to her mother, mom, what are these very sweet words? And her mother called us back a couple of days later and said, 
I don't know what got into my daughter, but all she's been asking is mom, teach me how to say very sweet words so we can say very sweet words to each other. And it's reaching out to people who might not even know how to pray or be in part of a church, but to just encourage them as well. When I was pastoring full time, I started praying for people and started sending out weekly text messages putting out on the church Facebook page if anyone needed prayer and always gave my number. And it got to the point where I was averaging about 250 prayer requests a week via text message. And I was getting prayer requests from four different countries and seven or eight different states. And I realized at that time what a significant need that was, as well as a magnificent opportunity to be able to participate with people, you know, in that way. And now let's talk about prayer teams and prayer tents. There's so many, there's so many different personalities, right? Everybody, you know, there's some shy people. I'm an introvert by nature, but I become an extrovert at the office, right? But, you know, I, I have my moments where I just like kind of being by myself. So we decided to have four different prayer teams at Love for Lane County. The first team, uh, we send out a PDF document or an email where if you're an introvert or like being very quiet in your prayer time or wanna pray over uh, these prayer points throughout the week, you can just be um, you know, on your own. We'll send you an email with some prayer points for the community and you can just pray on your own. Our second uh, prayer group is actually with our original founder and executive director, Heidi Boltz. So we are so excited that she is back. She joined our board of directors and Heidi just is a fantastic prayer warrior. So we have um, about five members, all old school prayers, right? Like, I love it. You know, I think I take the median of the age range down significantly, Pastor Mark, but, uh, but these uh, individuals join every other week on Zoom uh, to pray for Love for Link County, the community, all of these different things. Our third prayer task force is the prayer task force that activates in our call center. So like we were talking about with the National Day of Prayer, all of these different things, um, they can come and just be ready to pray with individuals, with clients, with members of the community. Uh, you know, not everybody likes to pray over the phone, you know, so we have those two different things. Our fourth one is my favorite. And those are the in-person prayers. And those are the ones that are currently, we just have a new um, volunteer kind of project manager for the position we just recruited from Eugene Vineyard Church. Shout out to Pastor Gerlach. Uh, but this individual um, will be responsible for helping with the deployments. So in times of disaster, we'll have prayers there. Um, these drive-through prayer tents up and down the McKenzie. We're going to schedule. And also, too, if you're a pastor or if you love to prayer and you would like to be part of these in-person groups, um, I will definitely be excited to have you on board. We're going to have a schedule and it's going to be probably more Saturdays, uh, but in-person prayer, uh, socially distanced as of now. Um, but once all of the extreme risk and everything, you know, in person, it's all about that physical touch. It's about loving that in-person interaction, making sure that we, as a people don't get so used to being isolated that we miss what it means coming together and really fellowshipping. What are some of the other areas that you'd like to talk about regarding love for Lane County that uh, are important? I would really like to bring up the veterans. You know, we talk and, and God bless you, sir. Thank you for your service. 
so when I worked for the American Red Cross, you know, the original founder, Clara Barton, the reason why the Red Cross was created was because she was a nurse who tended to the wounds of soldiers on both sides, the Confederacy and the Union, right? And so she was in the Civil War, and that's the reason why they had maintained this neutral premise. You know, it's not about left or right, you know, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, anything. Regardless of who you are, we're going to serve you, we're going to help you. A lot of times I res uh, responded to home fires, and there was somebody who, you know, didn't have the right papers, and they were so concerned of giving me their name so that we could help get them into a hotel after they lost their home because they were worried we were going to, you know, like call immigration or something. And we would always say, we don't care who you are. You are an individual and we are here to give you help and support, right? And so the Red Cross is known a lot for blood drives. It's known a lot for the disaster work that it does. But I didn't realize how much the Red Cross does for veterans, especially with stand downs and, and different works that they do. And I didn't even know what a stand down was until working for the Red Cross. Interestingly enough, in the state of Oregon, um, you know, the individual who worked for the veterans and with veterans at the Red Cross had a really unique challenge because here in the state of Oregon, we don't have any military bases. We don't have any like ports where ships dock. We don't have any airstrips or airfields. We have a lot of work with the National Guard, but there's no major base, right? And we're a very independent, unique people who are not necessarily the most pro-military in the state of Oregon. And so in my opinion, and this is only my personal opinion, I think that loving on veterans is a missed opportunity in the town of Eugene, in the state of Oregon, because there's no real sense of like patriotic fervor um, of loving our troops, of loving the country, of supporting the flag. And so we are assessing um, as a board new ways to support veterans at Love for Lane County. Uh, we're working directly with the local VA here to potentially do some work therapy programs where veterans can come and work in our office and just have a great safe place to work here, um, but just really get to integrate with staff, do some administrative work, um, some email marketing, different things like that. Um, and we're looking at different facets of how we can support this community in a much greater role. Yeah, I was a mentor in the Veterans Court, and people don't always understand, especially with TBI or traumatic brain injury, the ability to, how much cognitive capacity is lost, and the trauma from military service. It's not always just combat wounds. There's a lot of duress and distress in military service that unless you've lived that life, you're just never going to understand it. But being a vet, a mentor in the Veterans Court, <clears throat> how many just couldn't even walk across the street to get paperwork filled out because it, they were so overwhelmed for whatever reason. And so seeing that side of it, Veterans Court was very successful, but it took a lot of support, emotional support, physical support for those veterans to have success. And so you're really you're onto something really special here. It's a huge part of my heart. It's a huge part of my heart. Um, youth and development of creativity, supporting in mentorship and tutoring. You know, um, I was double certified in talented and gifted, Mark, at a very early age in a school system in Salem that really supported 
academia, right? And so as, you know, I would score probably in the top 6% of the nation every test that I took. And so because of that, I got individualized care. I got my own advocates. I got all of this. And so I was taught in a, in a way that was even grander than a lot of people got, but I was already pretty smart. Right. And so, um, you know, we're taking those trainings and giving those, you know, expecting kids who are pulling D's and F's right now to be talented and gifted and just treating them like talented and gifted individuals is allowing them to raise their grades to not even C's to B's and A's and, and the children and education and creativity, but the veterans are my two absolute passions. And for anybody who has ideas on how we can help support in any way, please reach out to me. Is there anything new on the besides this area, last two areas you just mentioned? Are there any anything new on the horizon for Lovett Lane County, or Coad, or LTRG? You want to mention? We just started uh, the uh, construction subcommittee for the long-term recovery group. So anybody who's interested or has skills in building or construction or interested in the infrastructure of rebuilding in McKenzie reach out to me. Anybody who's interested in doing some sort of uh, membership drives for long-term recovery or volunteerism, reach out to me. Uh, there's always an opportunity in this long-term recovery care to get more seats at the table, more representation in all fronts, age range, race, creed, uh, belief, all of that. Um, I think another thing that I'm excited to announce is that uh through the work that we've been doing with a lot of underrepresented youth in business and working with Robert Killen at the Lane Small Business Development Center, uh, we have been offered a um, bi-monthly radio show where it's going to be a call-in show uh, where experts are able to come. It's going to be myself as a millennial and a Gen Zer as co-host, and then these experts coming on, and then a call-in show where youth can literally say, how do I register at the Secretary of State? What does it mean to do my taxes, you know, finances, and even having opportunities of speakers, you know, even you, sir, with all of your experience of, you know, like, should I even look at public office if I'm this age? You know, different things like that. How do I build my brand? How do I build my business? How do I get networked in the community? We're going to be on KEPW the first and third Wednesday at 1130 um, starting in June. Really excited about that. Um, just so many open doors, so many open doors that we can't even count um, that we just need man and woman power to get it done. That is really, really exciting news. That is really uplifting news because we do have to find a way to help the youth uh, communicate better, navigate better, um, come to more, come to the table of life, developing more practical coping skills, teaching them how to ask the right questions, I think that's a that's part of being young is learning the the stress points and how to get around them. So I see this new tool of your, the Ministry of Love for Lane County as incredibly vital for the youth and families in this area. Now, what kind of budget do you work with, and what what are some of your fundraising activities? 
great question. Are so as a Love Inc. You know, prior to Love for Lane County, our main budget was through the churches, through our church partnerships, and a lot of offerings and and support that the churches gave. Uh, we realized that we had to expand our fundraising to more foundations, to individual donors because of the shutdowns of the churches, because, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty. We are definitely operating at a very slim budget and we need help. I mean, we know that God provides and that all of this is going to come. Uh, we are in transition of moving from one location to another. Our current landlord um, is decided not to renew our lease. And so we have two months to find a new building. Uh, but hey, we're going to get it done. So even the moving expenses, moving costs were something that we weren't expecting. Um, but we have great faith that these opportunities are going to present itself, you know, an even bigger space for our warehouse, more opportunities to have like workshops and community resources at our new space. Um, so we're not a multi-million dollar organization. We're operating on, you know, a lot of grit a lot of tenacity and a lot of heart and we can use help in a whole lot of ways. Um, that being said, uh, we are grateful for our churches. We are grateful for our supporters and it's just a lot of individual givers. I'm hoping to find more corporate partners as well. So people are going to hear this and see this if they want, if they want to donate or give in any way, either time telling or treasury, how can they do that? They can reach us directly uh, from our website. We also need a web developer. So if there's anybody out there who's looking to do website design, we're looking and, and actively searching for RFPs. Our website is www.loveforlanecounty.org and it, the four is spelled out. So the word love, the word for, the word lane, the word county.org. Um, I am very active on LinkedIn or Instagram on LinkedIn. I am Sarah Kosky. On Instagram, I'm Sarah Loves Lane, and just reach out to me directly, and we can either place you in a volunteer position or see how we can uh, work together or partner. Any final words of encouragement to the community, to our community leaders? I am just so encouraged by all the work, you know, that I'm seeing. Love for Lane County, you know, we've had our intercessory group every other week, but the more and more I meet with these nonprofit leaders the more and more I see a lot of them who are faith-based just need a great open outlet. So we, on the days that we don't have our intercessory prayers on Fridays, we open up to drop-in hours for nonprofit leaders to come and get some prayer. You know, you talk about the need for prayer. We're having people drop in at record numbers from even the nonprofit community. And for our leaders, just realizing how taxed our, our humanitarian volunteers and nonprofit workers are. I mean, there are people working all around the clock right now to help support this community. And I've seen a lot of burnt out, burnout, especially when it comes to the wildfires and especially when it comes to the unhoused. And in that sense, just prayer. We know that the answer is prayer. We know the answer is support, but take time to listen to the stories of the nonprofit workers and hear what's really going on. Don't just expect that, you know, the mission is taking care of it because that's what the mission does. Find somebody in the mission and ask them how they are. See how you can encourage them. You know, um, make these relationships meaningful and support in your own way. And one final time, mention again, your current landlord chose not to renew the lease. So what is your time frame and what is your need 
to move out and what is your what do you need to move into so the space that we're looking into um you know we have a full running call center and we do need about two to three administrative offices our current warehouse right now is the size of a uh, you know an old school gym right it's a repurposed gym that we have furniture in uh our when i came on we were already um you know, overflowing in the space. We've had such a huge uh, community reception of donations of goods that we were flipping furniture almost daily just to make sure that we can get it out to the community at the right place at the right time. Um, ultimate goal would be to get a large place with a huge square footage, like an Albertsons or an old Safeway building or something like that, like a really large building. We are very flexible right now when it comes to administrative offices um, and even building out. Like if we can just find a place for some administrative offices, even our call center, we can make work with um, a few phone lines, but we do need some storage space for our furniture donations as well. Our timeline, we have to be out by June 30th. So we, it, all of this came very unexpectedly. Um, it just was a changing of the guard of our current landlord. Um, nothing personal, we understand, but it was quite the surprise. Um, it was quite the surprise and we have until June 30th to move an entire operation and something that we had not budgeted for. So of course, you know, the moving um, costs, the expense of the new place, all of that is something that we definitely are very mindful of and prayful for. And if you had to put an amount on the dollar figure needed for to facilitate the move and to move in, what would that look like so that people can hear it? A hundred thousand is a very um, low estimate of what we're looking for. Um, you know, we've been blessed in the sense that we have been nestled in churches and church buildings uh, where we have rent um, that is not per square foot. It's just for, you know, the main operation looking at the ways that we're expanding, um, we need several months of rent, um, you know, as we're moving out and, you know, the costs and, and we need new phones. We need new phone lines. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm doing this off my own personal cell phone on the hotspot because our, our network infrastructure needs improving. Um, there's different systems that once we move, we're going to need to upgrade as well. So definitely we're seeking out a hundred thousand, um, we've had some great donors step up, but most of who gives, um, we give gifts or we get gifts typically in like the hundreds and the 200 range, which we're so grateful for because we know all of that adds up, but we need um, some significant giving coming up very soon. And does it look like there's any, um, because of the, the degree of service that you provide to so many areas in the community does it look like there is maybe some governmental agencies or other nonprofit agencies that might be in a position to come to your support we have a lot of support with the government agencies and organizations like united way even um you know nonprofit association of oregon with all of their open doors with the foundations right my memorial trust all of these different things you know people are very supportive and and really loving our mission and the work that we're doing just like getting in, getting dirty within the field. Um, a lot of the work with the government um, and as you know, you know, foundations takes time, quite a bit of time. And we are under a very tight deadline and 
we are looking for cash in the door and it's going to take a miracle. I'm hoping, um, you know, it's, it's just some checks coming in, even, you know, um, anybody who's a landowner or somebody who's just looking for, um, somebody to fill some real estate, uh, if it's just a donation where they provide us a location to, we don't want to, um, you know, limit our options, but that's what we're looking for. We need something quick. Very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've had with us today uh, Sarah Koski, Executive Director of Luffer Lane County. What a great conversation it's been. Uh, first of all, I want to thank our sponsor for today, Molina Law Group, at local immigration practice here in Springfield, Oregon, and in Beaverton, Oregon, effective June uh, this year. Uh, if you have any immigration needs for fiancé visa, student visa, citizenship residency, uh, you can find Molina Law Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. They are located here in Springfield in the Highland Business Park. Their phone number is 541-653-8899. Sarah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your devotion and to your commitment to so many in this community. I'm looking forward to having further ongoing conversations with you about your great work and about your great life. And we look forward to future collaboration and participation. Thank you, Mark. You take care. Bye-bye.